Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue with the theme of unity as proclaimed by the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. Today, we look at the finished work of Christ as the basis for the unity composed of incredible diversity. Please listen to Pastor Harris as he preaches today's portion of this week's message entitled, Why We Are One in Christ. Jesus made one sacrifice, one day, for all, and he sat down. Now, there's more of the story to unfold. His enemies will be made the footstool of his feet. That's a, that's a guaranteed promise now, but it hasn't happened just yet. So, this place of their waiting, called Hades in the Greek or Sheol in the Hebrew, Paul calls it here the lower parts of the earth. Within the place of spirits, there were different places. This place called Sheol or Hades, I do a little Bible study that I say is um, um, biblical unreal estate. You can't find the address of it. You can't give a GPS coordinates for it. Very real places, but not physical places. This is a, a, a realm that we can't uh, perceive, if you will. And it has different parts within it. There is a place where believers are. It's called Abraham's bosom. You read about that in Luke chapter 16, the the record of the rich man and Lazarus. Abraham, according to Romans, is the prototypical believer. If you have a faith like Abraham and Jesus hasn't come yet and you die, you are with Abraham. It's a place of blessing. You read about it in Luke 16. That's about the only hint we have of it. It's It's the place you want to be. And then remember, there is this huge chasm and separated from Abraham's bosom is a place of torment where unbelievers are. And then in Luke chapter 23, verse 43, you also have Jesus calling Abraham's bosom paradise. I think that's a synonym for the, for the same thing. And he said he would be there with that thief who repented next to him on that very day. So everyone from the time of Adam up until when Christ led the captives captive, brought them safe into the presence of the Father, they were all in that place. Jesus went and recaptured the POWs from death. Stay tuned for more details. Then the gifts are given. He says that in in verse 8. Each one, this is our individuality. The Savior has done this. He has given us gifts, and they are given to us. When we get to verse 11... We will begin the section on how the body of Christ is meant to function in light of all of these diverse individuals working together as one body. So we'll expound much on what is in uh, verse 7 at that time. But I want to get to the proclamation to the prisoners. That's That's the hard part here. 
Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is he himself also who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. Now, as I said, most Reformed interpreters say that those two verses mean Jesus took on humanity and came to earth. Then, after his resurrection, he ascended to the Father far above all, and all that is true. But if that's all that these two verses mean, they don't need to be here. They could be here and, and, and not do any harm. But this refers to something else that Jesus did while his body was in the tomb. It's important because it explains the unity not only that we have in the church, but the unity of all believers of all the ages. Now, is the church distinct? Oh, oh, oh yeah, now, that's, a, that's a big deal. This era of the church, that's a, that, that's a big, big deal. But you understand, Jesus, before He even sent the Holy Spirit, He went and got all the believers of all of the ages before that and brought them into the presence of the Father. And we are one with them for eternity. Who do we think we're going to be with in the new heaven and the new earth? All who have believed for all of the ages. So, verses 9 and 10 are a parenthetical statement related to, built upon, if you will, Psalm 68, 18. Now, the best explanation, the most thorough explanation of this is over in 1 Peter chapter 3. And I would commend to you, if you aren't familiar with this, or if you are and you'd like a review, go into our sermon archives on our website and find our sermons on 1 Peter three eighteen through 22. It's three or four parts devoted to this, and that was the time that I tried to look at it in its details. I'll try to rein myself in now and just give you the, the tip of the iceberg here. Look over at 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 through 22. For Christ also died for sins once for all. Sound familiar? Yep. He died for sins once for all. The just for the unjust. Sound familiar? Yep. Romans, he is, or, or Galatians, he is both just and the justifier of those that believe, so that He might bring us to God. You get into God no other way except that Christ died for your sins, the just for the unjust. Now, here's going to describe what it meant that He descended into the lower parts of the earth. Having been put to death in the flesh, He was made alive in the Spirit in which He went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison. I'll read the whole text and I'll explain more to you. Who once were disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Corresponding to that, baptism now saves you, not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is at the right hand of God having gone into heaven after angels and authorities and powers had been subjected to him. There's his ascension. He's back in the presence of God. He is above all. He is uh, over all. Now, notice that phrase, he was made alive in the Spirit. 
Christ was put to death in the flesh, made alive in the spirit. We should read that word spirit with a small s on spirit. It's not talking about the Holy Spirit. It's a contrast between his flesh and his spirit. Physically, he was dead. But in his spirit, he was very much alive. When you die, if you die before I do, and if I am tasked with doing your uh, funeral or your memorial service, whatever it is, and even if there's a casket there, I'll say, he's not here today. This is just an empty shell. That's the, that the flesh is dead. But he was alive in the spirit. Now, verse 19 refers to these spirits in prison to whom Jesus went and made a proclamation. After studying that for a very long time, including endless months, it seemed like, um, in writing that, um, that master's thesis, I came to understand these spirits in prison are mentioned several times in the Bible. <laughs> they are demons or fallen angels. They are bound. That is, they are imprisoned awaiting judgment. Some demons are bound temporarily and they're going to be set free within the last seven years before Jesus returns. Some are bound permanently and the only time they're going to be released is for their their final, uh, their, their final sentencing at the great white throne. They are called, in Genesis chapter 6, the sons of God. In 1 Peter chapter 3, they're called spirits in prison. In 2 Peter chapter 4, they are called angels who sinned. And in Jude 6 and 7, they are called angels who did not keep their own domain but abandoned their proper abode. All of those passages interconnect. And like a barnacle attached to them is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, giving yet another description of that. Now, 1 Peter 3.22 is the clue to what Jesus did when He went to this place. He made proclamation to these spirits. Now, made proclamation is a crucial word. There's been a lot of confusion about this passage because the King James Version translated it, he went and preached to spirits now in prison. And around that uh, translation has grown up many ideas of he preached to the dead, or you can get a second chance at the gospel after you're dead. Most people don't believe that, but that has come there, that has come to, that has come to be a belief because of the word preached. There's a word that means preach the gospel. Um, um, for that euangelizomai, evangelize, comes from that word. That's not the word here. This is the word keruso, which means on behalf of the king, you make a divine proclamation. You're stating what is, what is so. It's not an invitation to salvation. Jesus went and made a proclamation, in essence, that was a victory speech. He was giving these spirits or these prisoners, these rebels, the absolute assurance that they were not ever getting out of that prison until they would be sentenced to the lake of fire forever. I call it the divine raspberry. He told them, it's over. It's done. There will be the playing out of some things in, in human history but you're toast. 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.